Welcome to the Business of Happiness podcast. It's your host, Dr. Taryn McCarthy, and this is the podcast where we put happiness first. I help high-achieving, deeply passionate healthcare professionals like you rediscover their happiness and their freedom. Join me in conversations with experts to uncover our unique definition of happiness and answer the question, is there really such a thing as work-life balance? (laughs) If you've heard yourself saying, you know, I'll be happy when, well, my friend, the time is now. Time to step out of the busyness of your life and time to step into the business of happiness. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Taryn McCarthy, and today is going to be such a great day. We have with us one of my good friends, Shannon Blackman, a certified financial planner who is just so, so special. I cannot wait for you to meet her again. Shannon's making a return to the Business of Happiness podcast. (laughs) And, you know, what I just love about her is she really empowers audiences to release old money mindsets that are no longer serving them and expand their money mindsets. And today, on today's episode, she's going to be sharing with us a little bit about what financial therapy is. Ooh, that's got a great ring to it. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here again. I'm so pleased to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. I can't wait. And, um, Let's just get started right off by telling us a little bit about what is financial therapy. I love that term. I was so excited when I heard you say that. But what is financial therapy and how is that different from financial planning, which you are an expert in? Right. So I'm a certified financial planner and a registered life planner. And I'm also a certified financial therapist. And it's like, what does that mean? People have been asking me over the weekend, what does that mean? What do you do? And when, how is that different? And so traditional financial planning is, you know, investment management, retirement planning, budgeting, um, debt management. It's really focused on the numbers. Okay. And what financial therapy does is it, it, it admits that, hey, we are not just rational robots going around. There's something more than just the numbers when it comes to our money. And we have uh, emotions, we have our, our mindset matters, and all those things mm-hmm. affect our behavior around money. So financial therapy embraces the whole person and looks more deeply beyond the numbers to what is important about you? What are your motivations here? Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's and- so cool because if you think about it, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is we think that money itself has value that's specific to the numbers, but we can think of so many times in our lives where a specific number has very different meaning. Like a $100 pair of shoes is very different from a $100 toothbrush (laughs) or a $100 eyeliner, you know? And it's so interesting because even that concept of a $100 takes on a different flavor at different stages in our life. $100 meant something different when I was 12 from when I was 29 to now, or even different um, seasons in our growth and development, $100 can have a very different meaning. 
Right, right. Yeah, because money itself doesn't actually have a, a value. It doesn't have a value in itself, except what we place on it. Yeah. You know? And like you say, that can shift over time as our values change and as our life cycle changes. Because, you know, what what money means to someone at a, a younger age is much different than it means to someone when they have, you know, a, a, just a little time left. And we see that change in people. Where people that are older tend to value experiences and yeah. time more than uh, material objects. And we can learn a lot from older people when it comes to what really makes us happy. I, I really appreciate that about older people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I know. I, I think the same thing of younger people. We can learn so right? much from younger people <laughs> around happiness and yeah. value and what really matters. Spontaneity yeah. and, and play. And yeah, that's true yeah. too. Yeah. Really cool. So what drew you to financial therapy? How did you find yourself in that world? Well, it came through my personal journey, actually, because I actually, I approached financial planning a little bit from a scarcity mindset. And actually, the economic system is built on scarcity and, you know, supply and demand, and there's not not being enough. And I became really unhappy in myself. And I started to, to see, well, what's really wrong? And I was missing that the inner prosperity that needs to mirror to have outer prosperity. And so I started to look within when it came to that. And I started with a course called The Art of Money by Barry Tesler where she really talks about, you know, the, your, the, your inner experience of what wealth means to you and um, continued on my journey. I got really involved with uh, George Kinder's Institute of Life Planning and became a life planner myself. And he really talks about it as a journey, you know, a money journey and a journey to maturity around money. And I thought that was, that was really um, important to me. And so mm. as I did this, this inner work around it, I started to notice certain things about my clients because I work with clients with, you know, you know, $500,000 to, you know, tens of millions of dollars and, and notice that it's not about that dollar amount. It's not about the dollar amount that gives you happiness and well-being. It's a, a mindset. And I started to be to investigate what that mindset is that really creates uh, inner and outer abundance. Yeah. Really and cool. what I found is that, um, like I said, with the older people, you know, valuing experiences, um, people that have value relationships and experiences over things are more happy. And it's not just my clients. It's also um, the studies have shown that people even anticipating an experience is is more thrilling than anticipating a material object. And so that's one of the things that I found is th that makes people happy when it comes to um, their financial well-being. Wow, that's really cool. So how do you incorporate that then in if you are have a client who really is stuck with their money mindset and living in that space of scarcity, as you said, mm -hmm. how do you support them to be able to access these kind of softer skills that can really have much greater impact on their happiness? Right. Well, uh, some of it is, and you would think that I would be able to just say, look, you have $10 million. You're never going to run out of money. Everything's fine. 
But that's not enough if someone is, if, if it's never enough if someone feels like they're not enough, you know? Um, so that's something that we, I like to go in and really uncover the money scripts that they grew up with, because we all have these ideas around money, these beliefs that we've inherited from our society, a society and our parents, and that's become part of the meaning around money, but it really isn't ours. And so sometimes I can talk with people and uncover what is it, a, what makes money important to them? And you, they, and you can change what that is. You can change that meaning and take more power in your life. So a lot of times people who have grown up in poverty, poverty is a trauma. So people who have grown up in poverty react to it in certain ways. And one of the ways is to, with that scarcity mindset, accumulate a lot of money. But with that scarcity mindset, they don't really get to enjoy it. And so that's where the, the pain comes in. And so that's something that you can uncover what that script is and work with it because words are so powerful. So you can work with that script and turn it around so it becomes a positive um, affirmation that people can can live by. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I'm so fascinated by this concept of understanding the deeper beliefs, subconscious beliefs we have around money. And I know that you work uh, very closely or you enjoy working closely with women. Are there some shared subconscious beliefs that women tend to have as opposed to men, like a more feminine person has around money than, than men do? Yes, definitely. So women, just by being women, we have different concerns. One is that we live longer than men do. So we have a longer time horizon to plan for. Within that time horizon, we have, you know, a woman has at least nine lives, right? Because we have different shifts as far as like, we have motherhood, um, more career changes, a lot of times more time out of the workforce um, due to caregiving either for children or for, you know, older, older parents, aging parents. Um, so we have some different challenges to work with. Also, women, we tend to collaborate. So we might be in uh, relationships, you know, relationships matter a lot to us. So how we relate to money with our children, um, with our spouse, Ah. Uh, with other family members. Yes. And so that's, those are emotional things that we need to plan for. When I sit down with a man and we do his financial planning, it's 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 more cut and dry, right? <laughs> it's like from A to B. But when I sit down with a woman, she she might have a, a you know, a, and, and I'm not saying that men aren't this way, <laughs> but a woman, for instance, might have a, a special needs child that she wants to take care of for, you know, throughout his lifetime, something like that, where there's more caregiving to consider in the financial plan, you know. Women sometimes can also, um, you know, maybe take care of children for too long, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then women also have to go through divorce sometimes uh, or widowhood sometimes. And that can be a huge financial upset in those cases. 
Hey guys, I'm interrupting your podcast episode to let you know about an incredible new program that I'm launching in January of 2023. It is specifically for practitioners in medicine and dentistry to help you rediscover happiness and inner fulfillment within your profession and your life. I remember what it was like for me when years ago I was so depressed and anxious and feeling like I had created and built a treadmill I just couldn't get off of, pushing through every day and wishing my life away. This program is the how of how to find happiness in your practice and in your life because we know that when we feel good, that's when we can do good. Check out thebizofhappiness.com forward slash radical happiness or click the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to see you there. Absolutely. You know, one of the interesting things um, that I've noticed in our community in dental dentistry and medicine, and I think you and I have had this discussion before, Shannon, is um, we tend to not spend money on ourselves. You know, a lot of the things that we spend money on are for our kids, <laughs> for our patients, for our community, for other people. And many people have a challenge of spending money on themselves unless it has a very um, specific purpose beyond just giving themselves, making themselves feel good. Mm-hmm. When you notice that with somebody, what's actually going on under there? Well, um, a lot of times, you know, that's that old adage, like you have to, when you're on an airplane and they, you know, you're sitting in the exit row and they say to put the mask on yourself first. And it really is, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know? So we need to pour into ourselves and invest back into ourselves. And I think um, what you were saying earlier about $100 meaning different things in different parts of parts of your your life, I think a lot of it has to do with self-worth as well mm-hmm. and, and the value that we place in ourselves. And we have to know, we just have to know that our worth is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. And one of the biggest investments we can do is investing into ourselves because then we, then we ultimately that ends up creating a ripple effect and affecting our employees, our children, you know. I think women, another thing that women, as a headwind that we have to face is the, the gender pay gap, right? So not only are we out of the, our careers more, oftentimes more than men, but there's a gender pay gap. And I think a lot of that is related to that, that self-worth, you know? And um, really demanding that from ourselves, whether you're, you know, if you're an employee negotiating for raises, if you're an entrepreneur charging what you're worth, like really charging what you're worth. I mean, that's something I struggle with, too. It's um, it's different. You know, we're we're programmed and we're rewarded for giving a lot away. Right. And I think that we have to really make that shift and and charge what we're worth. It's, it's huge. 
Isn't that so interesting that we can get so fired up about that gender pay gap and the glass ceiling, and mm-hmm. sometimes we perpetuate it ourselves yeah. by not right. charging what we're worth or right. not giving ourselves the the income or the money or paying ourselves first. We're actually perpetuating that gender gap. Right, right. Because I, I, for one, I really like to take radical responsibility and say that I'm in charge of of my life, the way my life works. It just works better for me to to have that belief. So I can't believe in uh, glass ceilings or outside oppression. I have to see what is it in me that I can make the change. And so that's what spurs me on when I when I negotiate and when I set a price for for my value. And when we see another woman charging what she's worth, give her kudos for that, you know? And don't expect, um, don't expect this um, underlying economy where women are just bartering and trading and and charging less. No, really demand that of ourselves and each other, you know, expect that of ourselves and each other. Oh, I love that. And I think that that's another superpower that women can tap into is that kind of, and you mentioned this in the beginning when you were talking about the difference between working with men and women is that we do collaborate. We do form community and understand the value and the strength, power in community. So tapping into that superpower to support one another and lift each other up even more. I love that concept, especially when it's around money, because money tends to be that taboo subject that we don't bring into the conversation. Yeah, it is. It's one of the biggest taboos. Like people can talk, we can talk about sex, we can talk about death, but money is one of those things where it's really hard to get vulnerable about that. But when we do, that allows the people around us to get vulnerable and we can start sharing experiences. I mean, if you think about it, like the way that um, financial planning is traditionally taught, it's very linear, right? Mm-hmm. But women, we love to learn in circles and coll- and collaborate and do workshops and things like that. And if we could bring money into that type of conversation, think of all the wealth that we would have because we get the collective wisdom of each other, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, we have to have an environment of just unconditional acceptance, right? For ourselves. And it has to start with ourselves, that outrageous openness. Because what you're really trying to do is befriend your subconscious. Mm-hmm. What motivates us is not as not so much our conscious mind, which is just the tip of the iceberg, but all these unconscious and subconscious factors that are going on and driving us. And that's what you have to befriend. That if you have a really narrow mind and you're like, oh, that's bad, that's bad, not this, not that, you're going to shut that down. You're going to shut down so much of your personal power. And that's the personal power that we need. That is our true wealth that we mm-hmm. need to do to be generating. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And, and what you're talking about is self-judgment. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. All it does is, is it just shuts you down. It just shuts down that the personal power. And I think incorporated into that, especially when it comes to talking about money, is a lot of compassion and forgiveness. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think we allow ourselves, it's so fascinating, Shannon, because we allow ourselves to learn and grow when it comes to, I don't know, calculus, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I can develop my understanding of mathematics as I grow older, and then I shift to new perspectives, and I learn more, even in terms of, you know, running a business or reading or learning how to play an instrument. But it's interesting when it comes to money, we tend to put a cap 
on our own emotional development when it comes to money. And really, we can perpetuate that throughout our lifetime, that kind of constant um, reflection on things that we have or haven't done in the past, the way we've managed money, the energetic relationship we've had with money. And really, there's room for so much development and maturing as we grow older that we don't allow ourselves. Right, right. I think maturing is such a, a key word. If you can see it as 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 growth and uh, and a journey, um, that maybe that can take away some of the shame and blame. Like yes, you, you didn't know, you didn't know before, and that's okay, right? We come into this world, right? Just kind of these these bodies that are uh, have evolved a long time ago, right? We didn't evolve for this economic system. We didn't know. I was reading something the other day, like the 401k, and I, I don't have the dates right, but the 401k was just invented like 30, 40 years ago. That's it. So wow. this concept that we were we should have been born or at age 25, knowing that we were to, to save for retirement, it's just not realistic. I mean, some people did, but others of us, we have to learn this as adults. So as adult learners, we have to have some self-compassion and some patience with ourselves as we learn this very new landscape of, of financial planning. And it's changing all the time. Oh, it's changing all the time. Every year, new regulations come out and you can do this and you can't do that. And, and then the economic system is, is changing all the time. So right now we're in a really high inflationary period. And what does that mean? What does that feel like in, in mm -hmm. body? Like when you go to the gas pump, or when you're buying a bag of groceries, what does that feel like for you? What does it feel like for you when your fuel costs go up? For a lot of a lot of people, it's, it doesn't even matter. You, it doesn't, you know, you're at that level of wealth that 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 doesn't matter. But then you can know that there's opportunities there too. If interest rates are high, then what are you getting on your savings? Are you still paying those, you know, 2009, are you still receiving those 2019 0% interest rates or have you moved to like a higher yielding savings account that is mm -hmm. available now? Mm -hmm. um, so there's opportunities as well to, to look at. Oh, so cool. So cool. I love what you do, Shannon. I just think it's so, so fascinating. And I love that you incorporate the therapy part of money mindset and the understanding of the deeper subconscious, what's happening in the subconscious. And then really, I've seen you in action in your coaching. You're miraculous <laughs> in terms of helping your clients to just identify what is actually going on in their perspective and in their mindset, and then giving them a gentle perspective shift to just open them up to having new opportunity and new possibility. You really are gifted in that way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love what I do too. I you can I tell. And I know you have a phenomenal workshop coming up that I would love to welcome my audiences to my audience to in case they are interested in it. Tell us a little bit about this program that you have coming up. Yeah. So I have the Reset Your Money Mindset Workshop. And you can find out more and register at www.resetyourmoneymindset.com. And this is a full day workshop. Um, starts at 7 a.m. Um, Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern, and it goes all day. And we'll talk about, we'll discuss more about those money scripts. And I have some exercises to uncover what's most important to you and really get deep. It's 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 a wonderful time um, 
that participants have really felt a lot of growth through it. And it's a closed, safe space where we can get vulnerable and really open up and share. Um, and then throughout the day, we'll create a powerful vision um, based on your, your values and your dreams. We'll talk about values-based budgeting, uh, which is my, my favorite approach to budgeting because it's a judgment-free zone. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit about knowledge. Like I'll talk about the different types of savings accounts and what you can do to optimize um, your, your money during this particular time. And then finally, we'll end with a one-year action plan because it's great to feel good. It's great to do all these things, but we need an action plan. We need a plan of action to make your dreams a reality. So it's a wonderful workshop. I hope you'll join me. It's going to be Saturday, May 20th. Very cool. And are there any contingencies on who this is for? I mean, is there any limit on income or tax bracket or no, <laughs> who can no. join you in this discussion? <laughs> no, anyone can join me if you really want to have a mindset shift around your money. That's that's the important factor there. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for everything you do, Shannon. I'm just so in awe of the beautiful work that you do. And I'm so grateful to know you myself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Likewise. And thank you for helping me to elevate this conversation around money because it's yeah. so important for us to talk about this together. Oh, absolutely. Especially when we can stimulate it in the community and yeah. allow other people to kind of debunk that shame and guilt of talking right. about money and give right. us an opportunity to share. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Really cool. yeah. Before you leave us today, I need to ask you the question that I ask of all my guests. And I know we asked it of you last time, but mm -hmm. I'm going to ask it again. What in this season of your life, what is your definition of happiness? Oh, okay. So, and, and this is a little bit of a story, but this last weekend, I got to do yoga with my 12 year old daughter. And it was just the most heart opening experience for me. So to be able to share something that is important to me and that is a, a great, has been such an important part of my lifestyle with the next generation. Oh my gosh, that's happiness. <laughs> so cool. So cool. Oh, so cool. Thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us. And thank you to all of you for joining us in this conversation today. And I hope this sparked a little bit of insight for you in terms of maybe some of the money stories you've been carrying around with you. And I highly recommend this workshop that um, I've, as I said, I've seen Shannon in action and she is excellent. I know you're going to walk away with some phenomenal insight that really is tailored to your specific situation. And as always, my friends, remember when you feel good, that's when you can do good. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Business of Happiness podcast. When you prioritize your own happiness and healing, you can be better for everyone else. If this episode resonated with you, be sure to share it with a colleague and elevate their day. And if you'd like more insight and support, join me in our private Facebook group, The Business of Happiness Hive. And until next time, remember... When you feel good, that's when you can do good. Bye-bye.